Hi, this is Jenkins the Valet on the Edge of NFT, and I'm writing a tell-all about the BAYC. This is the podcast that tells all of the best that the NFT space is serving up now and far into the future. Keep listening. Hey, all you NFT curious listeners, stay put for a really enjoyable episode where you can find out... How NFT holders are directly co-creating one of the most groundbreaking writing projects we've seen... What's on Neil Strauss's personal reading list right now? And why you don't want to mess with Jenkins the Valet. All this and more. Stay tuned. And remember, NFTLA is coming March 28th to the 30th. It will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved, but they are going fast. So please reach out at contact at edgeofnft.com. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Jenkins the Valet and Neil Strauss. Here's a bit about each of them. Jenkins the Valet is the head valet at the Bored Ape Yacht Club. He has helped out many of the club's wealthiest patrons with odd jobs and has seen and heard many things. With the BAYC growing in popularity, it is time to write a tell-all. That's why he's teamed up with Neil Strauss. Neil Strauss, of course, is a 10-time New York Times best-selling author, a contributing editor at Rolling Stone, and a former music critic, cultural reporter, and columnist at the New York Times, where he won the ASCAP Deems Taylor Award for Excellence in Music Journalism. In 2018, Neil was honored with the Los Angeles Press Club's Journalist Award for his Rolling Stone 50th anniversary cover story, Elon Musk, the Architect of Tomorrow. We're privileged to have both of you guys here. Welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you so much. Super pumped to be here. Really glad to just steal like a few minutes away from the valet stand to, to talk with both of you, Josh, Ethan, and, and of course, to be joined with Neil. Absolutely. It's a busy time of year, I'm sure, for such a prestigious valet such as yourself. And we appreciate that. This is our last episode of 2021, guys. And of course, it'll air at the beginning of 2022. But couldn't be more excited to end on a project that really speaks in a lot of ways, in my opinion, to the future of NFTs and what's possible with them in terms of publishing and IP and sort of the evolution of projects into new adventures that no one could have predicted. And Jenkins of LA, hard to think of a better person to collaborate on with a tell-all book like this than Neil Strauss. And hard to think of a more entertaining and purposeful group of folks than the folks at the board Ape Yacht Club. How did this dream mashup come together? Give us a scoop, man. Yeah, totally. And you're right. I mean, not like a day goes by where where I think that 
you know, we're not pinching ourselves that we get to work with someone as awesome. It's funny, like I've spent a lot of, obviously we're like in this new year's kind of time of the year. So I'm thinking about what I'm grateful for and thinking back about the last year and things like that. And, you know, I think people say it takes like a lot of luck for something to be built. And one thing that we've been really lucky about is that I think no one could have imagined that the BAYC would become sort of as exciting and as big of a deal as it is right now. Ethan, when you were sort of giving a bit of my bio, that line, right, that the BAYC has grown in popularity. So now it's time for a tell-all. I think the first time that I, as Jenkins of LA, said a line like that, it was when the BAYC floor crossed one ETH. And we were freaking out because it was like, we're rich. Like, we all have, you know, our profile pictures are worth $3,000 or something like that. And and obviously it has only continued to grow and we're all incredibly fortunate to be part of such an incredible ecosystem of, of creative people who are, who are building IP around their avatars. Jenkins the Valet obviously is a character who is based off of this idea that an NFT is just like the tip of the iceberg, right? And that storytelling and that IP development and that deepening backstory can make for sort of it can turn an avatar into a character. And when we started doing that and posting to Twitter, my partner and I, who's not with us on the call right now, we realized that we had an opportunity to actually build like a whole media business around this and actually continue to sort of build IP around characters like Jenkins and eventually do it with others as well. And so we set out to find like really great advisors in the space who could help us do that. People who have been in the NFT community before, people who are building other things. And one of those advisors is G Money who to us is one of like the sort of OG NFT personalities, someone who disassociated themselves from their online identity and has posted like really amazing things online for a lot of time. And G-Money is, is, is a mutual friend with Neil. And so G-Money made that connection between us and Neil. And the first time we had a call with Neil, we just were sold. Like we knew that was our author. We, we probably faced about 500 rejections from other literary agents and authors at the time when we had momentum behind Jenkins, the character, and we were trying to find someone to help us write this story. And people just said, no, like, you know, I don't know, 90% of people didn't respond. 9.9% of people said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then we were really lucky that someone, a futurist like Neil, who who's incredibly open-minded and looks to sort of skate maybe to where the puck is going rather than where it is was you know willing to take a call from us with the G money introduction. So that's how the dream mashup came together. That's really cool. And I met Neil at an event in LA around the time that he was mulling over this possibility. And I think we we're doing some whiskey shots, Neil, and exploring like what the future of NFTs could be like. And we were talking about sort of the evolution of the industry. What's your sort of perspective on what went down there? And why did you choose to be part of this project? What went down with the whiskey shots or what went down with... <laughs> the whiskey Jenkins? went down, that's clear. The whiskey went down. I felt pretty good <laughs> the next day. So I think we chose some good whiskey. I think so. And yeah, like most good decisions are, are made under... The worst decisions are made probably under the influence <laughs> of, of whiskey. So this remains to be seen as whether it will be the book that finally, finally makes my career. Well, the, let's, the truth is when you're under the influence of the whiskey, they're the best decisions. When you're not under the influence of the whiskey, then they become the worst decisions. So just keep drinking the whiskey. I think everything's going to turn out fine. <laughs> it's true. There's, a, there's actually a thing called state-dependent memory. I remember like, which is like, if you're studying for a test while you're stoned, you should take the test while stoned. You remember things in the same state you're in. So, so that's not a recommendation. So as Jenkins was saying, I really got excited because 
I mean, all the rare apes that Jenkins has had the experience and the privilege of, of meeting at the Yacht Club and to know all those stories, be willing to tell them, well, that's one thing. But to me, when I do a book with a celebrity such as Jenkins, I say it's got to be about more than the people you know and the stories of other people. It has to be about your story. What is your personal story? That has to be the heart of it. And Jenkins has shared some really, been in some really situations that are toe curling and spine tingling. And, and I'm, I'm excited to actually share the story. The other rule I had with Jenkins is that you have to be willing to tell your whole story with no fear of what the other apes will think, what the mutants will think, what your family will think, and be willing to just share the whole truth. And Jenkins was willing to go there. Beautiful. Yeah, that is sort of the question of, you know, what made you come to a yes? And of course, you know, with your experience as an author, that all makes a lot of sense. We all want to know what's going on inside the Yacht Club. What, what, <laughs> what, what does it look like? What, what are the membership credentials? What happens in that secret locked room in the back? Uh, there's so many questions that will finally be answered. Yeah, I mean, look, Ethan and I are part of a group and one of the members of our group brought this project to our attention right after it launched on Clubhouse. And this was early in the evolution of NFTs. And I'm not a member of the club yet. And I want to know. I feel like I've been living on the outside of this amazing ecosystem. And I need to know. I need to know what ha what's happening there. I am going to restrain today because there's so much that will be put into this book that I'll just wait until you read it between the pages. But I can attest to the fact that Neil, Neil has pushed me in a way that I thought I would not be pushed to divulge the things that have happened and, and pushed our community to. I thought, oh, a tell-all. I'm just going to run to Neil Strauss and I'll just sort of show him my notes of the different things that I've done and he'll make it, you know, nice and spicy. But actually, the, you know, the trick has been to pull out the real feelings about how it went down, why it went down, what motivation was and things like that. And I think it's going to make for quite an interesting story. And I'm not privy to this behind the scenes, but I've, I've heard that supposedly Jenkins has this sort of these holders of this writer's room NFT. I'm, I'm not sure, but there might be more going on in the decision-making process about what happens in the Yacht Club than even I may be aware of. And I don't know if Jenkins has discussed or revealed some of this yet, but I do think it's very interesting if, if any of it can be shared or any of the results. Yeah, it's true. We've got almost 2,800 unique holders of our own writer's room NFT. And those writer's room NFTs do two things. The first is that they allow members to exercise voting power on the creative direction of the stories that we tell, right? And so what that means in this case, when I'm coming forward and doing my tell-all of everything that I've done, obviously Neil has questions for me sometimes, but I can't answer them by myself. I turn around and I ask my 2,800 unique holders to help me figure out what the best way to answer it is. There's something interesting about that too, which means that sometimes the answer that you get is a fact. But sometimes there's questions of opinion or something like that. And Neil has to deal with the fact that he knows he's actually, he's not just interfacing with the valet at the Board Ape Yacht Club. He's interfacing with a, a large number of apes and mutants. And he's getting sort of the collective ape brain, giving him some of the answers that he needs. I will divulge some of those answers. But I'll also say that the other thing that these holders can do is that they can license their own IP to the story. And so there are a number of different characters who I've interacted with, obviously doing, doing different jobs as the valet at the club. 
And the way that those characters bubble up to Neil, the author, is that they're actually licensed. And this is a, this is a really interesting use case and the first of its time, of its kind, of this mass licensing of IP in the NFT space. So we have over, at this point, we're recording right on December 28th, it'll launch early 2022, over 2,000 individual board apes and mutant apes have been licensed to this book. And they will be featured in some capacity. Some as main characters, some will be illustrated, some will show up in a game of Where's Jenkins that will be in the back, inside back cover of the book. And then a large number will just be sort of included in a special acknowledgements. And that, that's really interesting that there are so many avatars and people who own these avatars who will participate actually in the financial upside of the book. Yes. You know, it's a fascinating thing to explore here. There's so much to experiment and you guys are really going for it. There's the IP, as you're talking about, the utility of the NFTs you brought into the equation, brand building strategies. These are all an open field with NFTs. And uh, you know, you mentioned IP here and licensing and sharing. I can imagine it can get complicated. I'm curious if you can share a little bit of the inner workings, of starting with the IP there. Was that as complicated as it sounds? Are there contracts people have to sign? And I don't even know. I know that you own your board ape if you own that IP, if you own that character, that NFT. But yeah, can you explain a little bit more about how that pans out? Totally. I mean, my partner and I like every day we recognize this is, this is it's a we're wearing a different hat sometimes it's a creative project sometimes it's a software project sometimes it's community building but more and more we've been feeling that it's a legal project and so we we're lucky enough to Jenkins the Ballet has been signed to CIA to across books film podcasts and more and so we have access to CIA's in-house counsel we have our own IP attorney who crafts the licensing agreements that we sign Right, that gives someone who holds the commercial rights to an NFT the ability to then license those commercial rights to us for the book. We have entertainment counsel and blockchain lawyers as well. And so there's a lot of different lawyers that are working on this, but it's a new frontier, right? It's often we're in these conversations and the realization is just that like it hasn't been done before and we have to try our best. And to that end, we're actually open sourcing every piece of legal that we develop because our idea here is just to contribute back to the space as best we can so that other projects that come after us will have the opportunity to use the same types of agreements. Beyond just like the legal implications of somebody being able to take an NFT that they own and license those rights to us, there's a whole bunch of other IP that exists as well. When I'm not docking boats and doing odd jobs for patrons at the Board Ape Yacht Club, you know, I've spent a lot of my time in software development and so we've built a custom web app that allows people to actually engage and vote on the questions that Neil might have for us. And so even just today, a series of questions ended that will come to define sort of the genre and the early plot. Like, for example, what pivotal event has happened in Jenkins's life that makes him want to tell his story? And 53% of our 2,800 community members have voted that he's convinced that the fate of the Yacht Club is in his hands. And so now we know where this begins, right? Jenkins, for some reason, is convinced that the fate of the Yacht Club is in his hands. And so he goes searching for a reporter. And there's a question, if Jenkins were looking for a reporter to tell his story, where would he find them? And 62% of those 2,800 holders have decided that he would go to the offices of the Board Ape Gazette. So now you've got Jenkins, who is convinced he's got the fate of the Yacht Club in his hands, and he goes to the Board Ape Gazette. And here's another answer. This was a really close one. 24% is the majority here. 
says that the writer responds to Jenkins and says he'll only write the story anonymously because of how dangerous it could be. And so these types of things come together, right, in this gated web app that you can only access if you hold a writer's room NFT that come to sort of set the guidelines for how the story is written. And we believe that that community generative and crowdsourced content can actually make for a better book than what any of us could do on our own. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. So now you can see why I was excited to be involved in this project. I mean, how cool is that? I've never, it's never done anything like this. And it's such an exciting concept. And the results are so great. And if you read that book, The Wisdom of the Crowd, there's a great wisdom in the community and the choices they're making. I love so it's so nervous to say I'm outsourcing these decisions to the community and then they make these incredible decisions and you end up writing the book that's exactly right for them or co-creating the book. Like how cool is it to have these, you know, <laughs> this many additional authors? And this is not your only foray into sort of this idea of decentralized publishing. Talk to us for a moment about how you think decentralized publishing fits into the broader spectrum of what's possible with NFTs and how important of an innovation is this in the grander scheme? We all have an incredible opportunity with Web3, which is we can, besides all everything the technology makes possible, we can try to right the wrongs of Web2, right? Because Web2 was supposed to be level the playing field, and instead the playing field became grossly disproportional. So I think we all have this opportunity, not just Jenkins, myself, what you're doing with Edge of NFT, Everybody listening to this has an opportunity to really work and, and fight and lead by example that model. You know, and I think you're referring to it to that end as an experiment, which is more about not about the creation side, but it's very different than what Jenkins is doing. Because if I understand it correctly, Jenkins, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but the readers also participate in the, in the back end of the book as well, not just the front end. I mean, the, the NFT holders, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Each of our NFT holders who license an avatar to the work end up in a, in a pool of licensors who split 50% of net profit that the book makes. Beyond that, each of our NFT holders receive a free book NFT for having contributed. And that book NFT has an entire sort of roadmap that has game theory associated with it, staking the NFT, burning the NFT for other things. And so participating in the creation of this book is as much about participating in the business of it and the strategy of future NFT drops as it is in sort of plot and creative direction. And, and I think all of those pieces come together because, and Neil, you obviously know better than anybody, but, but bringing a successful book to market obviously requires incredible creative, but there's an industry around bringing a book to market that are sort of also very important pieces of that puzzle to make something successful. And our community gets to participate in all of it. Yeah. And I would, I guess the follow-up question I have for you, Jenkins, around community and the role that they played in the process of launching such a unique co-created venture is what have been some of the challenges that have come along with the ride and how has the community been part of addressing those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, an immediate challenge that comes to mind is, and this is this is more of a one-off instance that, than something that happens, you know, that's more like systemic, but we can talk about both. Last week, our Discord was hacked. Somebody came in, impersonated Jenkins the Valet, banned all of the admins, and then sort of brought to market like a fake scam Jenkins project. 
And unfortunately, like that's a challenge that comes with basically any project in the space these days. And I think it's one of the biggest issues right now when, when we are on the precipice of mainstream adoption with NFTs. But when events like this come up, it sheds a negative light on the entire space, right? But interestingly, having a really strong community is an incredible way to play defense against some of these challenges. Because in that instance, for example, when the, when the Discord was hacked, we had hundreds of community members who immediately stepped up. It was in the middle of the night on the East Coast where my partner and I are. And so we were asleep, but we've got all these community members. Some, it was the morning for them in Asia, but they're on Discord, on Twitter, posting, acknowledging what's gone wrong, looking out for each other and things like that. And so that's a one-off sort of example of, I think, why community building matters so much. Obviously, it matters when things are going well, because you've got this like amazing energy and this positive energy where people are pinging off of each other and like great ideas come up. But it also helps when things go badly because you've got people there to support you and things like that. If I was going to give sort of a broader example, maybe of, of challenges that come from having such a big community where it's an ambitious endeavor to try to license so many avatars to a book, right? We've got over 2000 now. And that's a really challenging thing to do in like a distributed way. And there's really no like answer for it. There's a lot of moving pieces and you need to equip people with the information that they need to make decisions. But not everybody can like, you can't run everything through yourself. And that feels sort of uncomfortable when you've been programmed to just do things in like a particular way, right? In the web two kind of way. And so for us, we're just taking it as it goes and trying our best and trying to write well and provide assets for our community so that they can make decisions based off of you know where we're trying to go. But I think doing it on such a broad scale has definitely been difficult. Yeah, it's a new muscle memory. I'm thinking about a conversation we just had with FCL. And in that sort of project, you have these real football players on the field and the fans get to call the plays. And how that must be sort of unique for someone that's played football all their life to let this outside audience decide whether or not they run or, or do a Hail Mary. And essentially, you guys are doing that in your own way. Yeah, it's an amazing analogy. And, and I think that that's the hardest part is being just getting used to that muscle to be comfortable with the like passing the ball in that way. It's an experiment in surrender. Yeah, yeah well said. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to that book, actually, by Michael Singer. I highly recommend it. It's the Surrender Experiment. Very philosophical, not about NFTs. It's okay. It's great. I actually recently downloaded it because uh, his other book, The Untethered Soul, was so good. So uh, you recommending it is going to make it next on my list. Awesome. Great. Yeah, I'm sure you'll love it. And, and to be frank, I mean, I think with NFTs or with you know crypto and trading with everything, you need a, a root in deeper principles and ideas to just really survive, to make it non-addictive, to, to make it healthy for you, to enjoy the experience to push the innovation forward. So it's all about NFTs. I also recommend the audio version. If you didn't get the audio version, that's also very good of that book. I want to dive in here because we're, man, we have so many questions for you guys. I wish we could have asked them all, but we're going to end this sort of portion of the interview relatively soon, maybe next five minutes. But I want to talk about the metaverse here because that's like, people ask us, what's next? What's 2022? We're talking about the metaverse. We talk about gaming. Nobody can predict, but we can't have this conversation without saying what's going to happen in the metaverse. Are there plans? Is there licensing, sharing avatars in the near future? Can you share with us anything about your view on the metaverse and what's happening? 
Yeah, for sure. Can I ask a question back first? When you say the metaverse, what is your definition of it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we've asked this too on various episodes. I think people are not going to say you could qualify like just a Zoom call as the metaverse. The basic answer comes out that there is not one metaverse. There's there's several. Eventually, it could be kind of like websites, very ubiquitous. You have multi-metaverses. But there is this idea that they're going to be integrated in some way where you might be able to take characters or properties or various activities or programs from one metaverse to the next. So I would say it's not augmented reality. It's virtual reality. But that's my definition of the metaverse. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I think that we, I feel really strongly about sort of that like interoperability of being able to take IP that can maybe follow you all around the internet and mean something in every place. I'm not sure about the future of VR for the metaverse. It's not, at least in my imagination, I don't think in the near term, and, and when I say near term, I mean maybe the, even in the next 10 years, I don't expect us to sort of be in pods like hooked up to IVs and just like living in the virtual world. But I do believe that you will see a significant amount of work being put into what maybe you could call the Jenkins verse or the writer's room verse, right? And our community coming together to create more worlds, more settings, and more stories that characters have to interact in. And having that be multimedia, right? And so what I think is special about the metaverse is that like the content lives, you sort of attack on all fronts at once. You've got this book, but the book is also an NFT. And because the NFT exists on the blockchain, you can manipulate it, you can burn it, you can stake it, you can earn things for having it in a way that you can't really earn things for having a regular book on your bookshelf. And then those things that you can earn can plug back in to the next story which could be another book or it could be a podcast or it could be a movie and sort of the story keeps going on everywhere all at once all the time. And so I know it's a bit abstract to describe it that way, but that to me is sort of our vision of, I think, the metaverse and, and what storytelling looks like in it. Yeah, the way that I'm interpreting that too is as we develop you know, whatever we're calling the metaverse is, it's really about all these virtual artifacts and items and forms of currency, right? And in a lot of ways, we're seeing it's a beautiful place where there can people in various parts of the real world, quote unquote, the globe can access a new world, right? Where potentially there's a better chance, right? At having an equal shot at things, right? Because it is virtual. But yeah, that's just a good answer. I like it. Yeah, it's a good sort of segue to this blend of physical reality and the metaverse and sort of discords and how all that fits together and sort of amplifies community. And this is a conversation we're excited to continue at NFTLA. Uh, excited to have you part of that, Neil. And you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things to discuss by March 28th that have not yet occurred in the space. But just to sort of cap off this adventure before you run, Neil, anything that you're looking at for inspiration these days in terms of other projects that you're excited about and that you're sort of considering in terms of your path as a writer for this project and some of the other things that you're up to? Sure. Yeah. There's so much things to discuss and so much stuff to say about the metaverse and everything you've discussed. But I guess broadly, this is the thought I always have. I always have this thought that you know, it's easy to get stuck in our ways. You know, when I was a, in second grade, my goal was to be an author, to write books. I literally wrote that as what I want to be when I grow up. But now I think, what if I was in second grade now? What would I want to be doing, right? You know, my son is six. He knows about ETH. Ken, do you know about, do you know about ETH? No. You don't know about ETH? No. 
<laughs> not today. <laughs> he also knows oh, yeah. He's like, I know about Solana. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> He's like, I'm just doing ZK rollups. So I just think, well, if I started now, what am I doing given all the data of the present day? Because it's easy to get stuck in the past. And what I'd be doing is being right here. I'd be, uh, you know, I'd release Survival Apocalypses, is, I guess, the first major book out of the Ethereum blockchain, the first book you can read front to back, literally just page through a, a, a book on your OpenSea account. I thought it was super, super exciting. And the copyrights can be given away to one of the holders of the NFTs on January 1st via Chainlink VRF. So it's going to be randomized, uh, you know, and on chain. I'll DM you my NFT just in case that helps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, by the way, if you win, because it's a one in 892 chance, it's going to seem really rigged. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And now, step now doing the Jenkins book and like, and thinking, well, now you're creating this book with the community. Obviously, Jenkins and I have like so much fun going in and out of character. In fact, doing these interviews, we learn more about our process because it's all improvisatory. So when we do town halls in the, in the amazing Jenkins Discord, or we do these interviews where we're always sort of like building the character and building the world. And I was actually just DMing during this saying, how fun is this? That as the community decides what this world is, we get to be more and more detailed in our interviews. And it's this wonderful process. And I'm just so excited by like Web3 and what it has to offer because we're so used to this monolithic model of the creator, then the gatekeeper, and then the big institution. And this is the gates are kind of gone and hopefully it stays that way. And it's such a fun playground to be in right now. Right on. Appreciate that. And thanks, Neil, for joining us today and look forward to more adventures in 2022 and um, all the exciting things that you're up to. Whatever we can do to support, we're here for you. And um, thanks a lot. I love you guys. And uh, and I was so happy to be here. And Jenkins, I'll uh, see you outside the Yacht Club for our next interview. See you there, Neil. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye. Jenkins, anything to add there in terms of projects that you look for inspiration that we haven't discussed yet today? I loved everything that Neil said and the things that he's working on are super inspirational. I think I would just give a nod to, to Pixel Vault, I think, and what they've done with Punk's comic and MetaHero as well. I think that they really have been trailblazers exploring the utility of NFTs and I think what they are building with gaming and the MetaHero universe is very much something that we hope to do with storytelling across sort of non-gaming media. Cool. Thanks for that. Hey there. Want to know which NFT mints are taking off? Would you like to know about them in real time while they're still taking off? What about tracking NFTs before they launch and seeing which ones are gathering a real Twitter following or boosting their discords? Which ones are hot and could take off like a rocket because so many people are excited for their launch? Mythia, a forthcoming NFT project themselves, have built both of these tools for you even before they've launched, and it's free, just because they're cool like that. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Mythia to find out more. That's M-Y-T-H-I-A. Find out any upcoming NFTs, Discord, and Twitter growth trajectory, and which mints are happening in real time so you can jump on if you see them taking off. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Mythia to find out more. M-Y-T-H-I-A. Yes, it's free. I'm heading there now myself. Now, this is really interesting what we just talked about. Neil mentioned like going in and out of character and improvising and telling the story and kind of being 
at the whim of the present moment when it comes to telling this story. Our next segment that we're going to do with you, Jenkins, is Edge Quick Hitters, which is defined as a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. We have 10 questions. We're looking for a short or single word response, and you can feel free to expand if you get the urge. But I guess we're going to leave it up to you. Each question you could answer as sort of Jenkins. You, know, you could answer as the anonymous person behind Jenkins who uh, has lived an analogous life, right? But we'll just hit the questions one by one and uh, we'll see where it heads. Sound good? I love it. Awesome. I'll start with the first one. Then Josh will hint you with the second one. Or no, I'll, I'll start with the first two. First one is, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? A Charizard Pokemon card. All right. <laughs> We've had a lot of Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, I, that's so interesting. Come out on edge of NFT. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to what is the first thing you remember ever selling? I hate to do this, but definitely a Pokemon card. <laughs> Maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> card. I was wheeling and dealing on the playground as a little kid. Now, looking back... Were you doing it? Were you smartly wheeling dealing? Did it come out ahead in the game here? Or? I'm a very average flipper. So I think, <laughs> you know, I probably won some and I lost some. And in retrospect, oh, here's an NFT lesson. I should have held them all because they'd be probably worth a lot more today than they were back then. There you go. Yeah. Well, this will be interesting. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Groceries. <laughs> nice. What is the healthiest thing that it was on that grocery list? And what is the unhealthiest? The, the <laughs> healthiest was probably any number of ingredients that would go into a salad. And <laughs> for this, the unhealthiest, I think, is for any of your Canadian listeners. It was a bag of all dressed chips. I don't know if, if you all have ever had okay. that out in California, but it is. I'm a new Canadian. I'm, I'm from outside of DC originally, but my wife is Canadian. And all dressed is like some only native to Canada, like Ruffles flavoring that is just insane. And no one has ever had it and disliked it. Nice, nice. Well, if you're in Canada, I guess you also have to try French fries with cheese curds and gravy at some point. That's right. What's the most recent thing you sold? Oh, all of my SOS tokens. All right. I just decided to take the money. I don't know. I think it's been up and it's been down. And I was like, you know what? This this seems like a nice thing to just have in, in ETH. Yeah, it was a nice holiday present for sure. I don't judge you for that decision. There you go. Yeah, it's interesting, right? You traded for ETH, not USDT. Totally. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. For me, ETH is like fiat now. It's, it's uh, unsettling. <laughs> Indeed. All right, next question. What is your most prized possession? Oh, man. If another like living being can be a possession, I would say my mini golden doodle. If not, then... Jenkins the Valet, 81798 is there's I have no <laughs> possession that is more locked down than that NFT. Yeah, that's definitely a clear answer. I was wondering if you'd say that. I also was unaware that there's a mini golden doodle. That sounds oh, kind of yeah. fun. You should yeah. Google them. Like take a golden <laughs> doodle and then just sort of compress it. By the way, you have no idea what a dog lover Josh is. Like he sees a dog and he tackles yeah. it. Like <laughs> my my wife is obsessed with dogs. And if we like are walking down the street. Like I haven't seen a dog in years. I haven't like pointed out because I know how happy it'll make her just to see the dog. <laughs> so my neighbor upstairs has a doodle and I already am Googling these guys and they are super cute. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, next question. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service experience that is currently for sale. Okay. I am torn. Obviously COVID is sort of on the upswing again, but I think I would just love to purchase like an awesome vacation. I've felt, you know, I've traveled a bit, but um, since getting vaccinated and stuff, but I feel very cooped up. So that would be nice. And if something else, I'm super long crypto punks. So I would, I would just, even though they're sort of on the downswing there, I would probably just buy a crypto punk. Beautiful. You well, you could buy two crypto punks, sell one, and then take your trip. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> That's genius. All right. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? This is one I'll borrow from Jenkins Valet. I would pass on Jenkins's resourcefulness. He's never been in a situation he's not been able to get himself out of. And I think that it's a really valuable skill for JPEG apes and human beings to have. Yeah, I mean, I'll attest to Jenkins' resourcefulness just in terms of how you dealt with that Discord hack and sounds like you're calm, cool, collected and in action. So sounds like Jenkins totally does possess that trait. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I mean, Josh, they messed with the wrong valet and we are not going to stop until we've obviously secured our Discord server, but this isn't it. We will make the hackers wish they hadn't hacked ours. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, valets are pretty resourceful folks and you want them to be your friend, not your enemy. So I'm not sure what that person was thinking there. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? I would probably try to eliminate, I don't know how to describe it as a personality trait. Like sometimes when I feel overwhelmed, I like, get very stressed. Like I would probably want like somebody to the next generation to like, maybe like deal with that feeling a little better. <laughs> or just have a massage therapist and some elixirs on call. One or the other. A hundred percent. I think maybe if this tell all does well, I'll maybe be able to, to solve that for my current generation too. There you go. Keep a massage therapist on, on call. I know a good one. If you come to LA. Nice. All right. Next question. Just two more. What did you, this is an easy one. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I ate a scone with blueberry jam. Mm, nice. It was very good. All right. That sounds delicious. Next question. What are you going to do after the podcast? I'm going to have a meeting with my partner, Safa, where we are going to do some more work on the future of the writer's room, specifically some of the tactics that we're taking with users burning the book NFT that they mint or staking it. Very cool. And I want to be part of that meeting. That sounds fun. It's a fun meeting for sure. And it'll be really exciting for our whole community when it comes out. Very cool. And sometimes that last question demonstrates that we're just an interruption in someone's day of what they do all day. So I'm glad you're not just eating a scone after the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going I'm to go back for another one. <laughs> I would. Scones are great. But so are uh, Hot Topics. And we have a few minutes. So maybe, Ethan, we can dive into a couple of the exciting things happening in the industry to close out 2021. Yeah. Hey, real quick. Check this out. For those true fans who pay close attention to Edge of NFT, we're experimenting with some fun new rewards. 
You can get a free POAP NFT. That's a proof of participation NFT from us by going to our Discord, edgeofnft.com slash Discord, and reaching engagement level 6 by January 31. Log on now and get started. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Discord. Jump in, have fun, learn something, and get your free POAP NFT. There's only 50. Also, if you're the first to get one, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. Let's do it real quick here. So first hot topic, Instagram is, quote unquote, actively exploring NFT integration, says CEO. That CEO is Adam Masseri. And he says that they're exploring ways that they can make NFTs more accessible to its burgeoning user base. One idea might be to label the Instagram posts that offer NFTs as collectibles. He said there was no official announcement yet, but things appear to be happening behind the scenes. I mean, my first thought, man, it's taken a while. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had to join the party, right? I don't use Instagram as much as I use Twitter at this point. Jenkins, I'm sure you can relate to that. But there is still a meaningful amount of NFT activity on Instagram. If they pull this off, how do you think that will shift the balance of social media platform usage? It's hard for me to say because of the part of the NFT space that I occupy, which has a lot to do with the content that's created around NFTs. Instagram's platform, in my opinion, is not like super well suited for that today, maybe with Reels. But Instagram seems like a great place to display like a gallery or like a collection of NFT images, photography, video, things like that. But the part of the market that I'm in, which has a lot to do with like lore building, I think is much better suited for platforms like Twitter. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of our guests and the direction of our conversation here on Edge of NFT says that the future, like everything's an NFT, right? You know, you, you tokenize every ownable item with an NFT. So in a sense, it, this, this idea of different platforms saying, oh, we're going to do it or we're not. It seems like maybe it's just a symptom of the early part of the conversation and, and later down the road, it's kind of a, there's no thought about it. That's just what happens. Everything's on chain. But it does raise the question of kind of like, there's probably a barrier, right, of entry into like, this is just not necessary, right, to make something an NFT, perhaps the programming bandwidth or, you know, the carbon expense or whatever is just not worth it. And we're not going to do that. But I don't know if anybody has an answer to that question at the moment. Yeah, it's an analog to, I always think about like, how much data do I keep in my computer, right? Like, do I get rid of this old picture, this old file? You know, do I get rid of all this information that's just being stored? So only time will tell. Let's hit the next hot topic, unless anybody's got anything on that first one. The next one, cash grab or innovation. Let's ask if the video game world is a cash grab or an innovation when it comes to implementing NFTs. So gamers are notoriously skeptical. Electronic Arts faced a huge backlash over the decision to let players pay to unlock certain characters in its Star Wars Battlefront 2 game. And traditionally, players are required to toil for several hours to access such content. There's a recent occurrence, Ubisoft, the French video game publisher, they dropped a video this month showing off its foray into NFTs. And the action was a little predictable. The company debuted a platform called Quartz, which lets players own in-game items such as helmets. And uh, the feature was added to Ubisoft's Ghost Recon Breakpoint game. But the move was met with widespread anger from gamers who slammed Quartz as a cash grab. 
And some commenters also raised concerns with the environmental impact of, of cryptocurrencies. So what's your opinion? Josh, what do you say? I just did some Googling and one website says there's 3.24 billion gamers across the globe. So you got 40,000 negative comments there. There's diversity in this ecosystem and there's diversity in why people are into play-to-earn gaming versus not. And there's some people in it for financial upside, certainly. And there's other people that really see the sort of evolution of gaming and the experience of co-creation similar to what Jenkins, the valet, and Neil are doing with the book side. I think it's more fun to play games that you have skin in the game and where you're able to co-create that game. And inherently, you have to have the right incentive structures. So personally, I think there's always a monetary angle to innovation that kicks things off. But hopefully in the process of the evolution of gaming, people realize the ancillary benefits not to mention the social economic implications to support financial wealth. We used to talk about Bitcoin as the great equalizer. But in a lot of ways, I think that 2021 has showed that Plato and gaming potentially has more reach and more economic impact on the world than anything else right now. So those are my thoughts at a high level. I love that point, Josh, about the great equalizer. And it actually reminds me of an experience that we had when we were out looking for authors. One literary agent responded to us and basically said they would not bring the opportunity to the author that we had reached out about or anyone else that they represent because they were book people, implying that we aren't. And that was hard to hear because we're book people too. <laughs> we're just different types of book people or book people who are approaching something from a different like sort of lens, something that that is new. And I think that that's coming up here in gaming too, right? That people who sort of previously didn't necessarily have the opportunity to define the way the games worked now, you know, theoretically could with NFTs. And that obviously is something that could be unsettling for some of the like traditionalists. That said, I think there's one point that is fair on the video game knocks, which is back to my point about like sort of the definition of the metaverse. I think what's most important is the interoperability of the whole thing. And so what's cool about an NFT is that it's on chain and the blockchain is public. So anybody can build off of that. Like if I wanted to go make a website right now that only let you in because you held a board ape, right? Even though I didn't create board apes, I can make a whole product based off of that because that data is available. So when video game companies come out and they're and they're making NFTs, but the NFTs like only exist within their own platform, it sort of doesn't make sense. And I and I get the point there where people are like, why would you go through the sort of development costs of putting something on chain if there isn't, if it's not public? You might as well just use your own database. And so I sort of get that too. To the extent that people are just trying to make centralized games, you might as well just sell goods to people in game that like exist in your own database. Yeah. To the cash grabber innovation question. I mean, my first instinct was, yeah, this is all innovation, you know, more edge of NFT. We love NFTs, but I think I can't ignore where was the backlash coming from? It was the community. It's a delicate territory, right? There's nothing more disappointing than being an innovator where you're doing something, pouring a lot of passion into it. it may not even be profitable and people think it's a cash grab, but at the same time, the audience are the ones that are going to determine 
whether they like the way it's presented. And this, I haven't researched this enough to find out, but it could be that it's presented in a way where this particular implementation does just feel like a cash grab as opposed to some of the other ones where people are excited about it. Next hot topic on the list here, Guzzler is shifting the NFT space into the next gear. NFT space continues to develop as the world approaches the cusp of 2022. Just in the last two quarters, some NFT game sales have broken beyond $40 million. Facebook has rebranded Meta and even brands like Nike have begun to buy out large NFT projects. Seizing this opportunity, Guzzler brings forth a game for automobile enthusiasts that hold strong to their competitive edge, establishing a game where people can obtain operable cars as NFT. Every part of the cars involved in the Guzzler will in fact themselves be NFT. This means that players, owners of said NFTs can mix, match, and fully customize their car to suit their profile and establish their own reputation in the space. That sounds pretty cool. And I think this is like the exploration of the innovations in the space. That's what we're all excited about. There's so much opportunity. There's a potential collab there, Jenkins. I don't know. That's immediately what came to mind. Apes like custom cars. It's more fun. If you're going to be a valet, you should valet the coolest cars out there, right? So I'm excited about what's possible here. It's true. This is... I'm on the Guzzler site right now. It's super cool. It reminds me a little bit with the drag racing. It reminds me a little bit of like Zed Run, except you have... There are more levers to pull when you customize your own car than like when you just like own a horse that, that that's bred. And I think that we probably will end up seeing all sorts of like sports go fully digital where nfts represent like athletes or components and then competition is just sort of like a simulation that people sort of gather around to watch and bet on and like all of the stuff that we do in the real world too totally another good segue to what's to come in 2022 and this was such a a fun time hanging out with you today really appreciate you taking some time away from the story building and the valet stand to hang out with us Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and and the projects you're working on? Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Jenkins the Valet. And you can also go to my website at JenkinsTheValet.com where you can learn everything that you need about the writer's room, our project, and really our business at large. That's great. And for those that have a little bit of FOMO about not being part of the writer's room, I believe that you're generously offering our listeners a special giveaway. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. We are giving Edge of NFT listeners, we're giving away a writer's room valet ticket. So that's our sort of base NFT to get entry into the writer's room. You can vote on the creative direction of the story that Neil is telling. You can license an avatar to the writer's room. And it's really like your free entry into our roadmap 2.0. That's really amazing. We appreciate that. So generous. Thanks a lot, Jenkins. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And don't forget, as a member of the Edge of NFT ecosystem, you're part of a community defined by collaboration and co-creation. Right now, we're giving you a literal opportunity to to plant seeds with us and grow deep roots and broad branches together through NFTs. We're breaking ground on our own special NFT collections. 
please head over to spiritseeds.xyz to find out more about our collection of only 100 Spirit Seed NFTs that, that will ever be minted. And that's been created in collaboration with NFT Influencer and one of our favorite humans on the planet, Nicole Buffett. Lastly, please check out nftla.live. It's now official. March 28th through the 30th, we are going to have a TEDx-style experience in LA that you won't want to miss with some really incredible keynote speakers and community. And it's going to be great to get everyone together again at nftla.live, March 28th through the 30th in Los Angeles. Come hang out with us and all the amazing folks in this ecosystem. So lastly, be sure to turn in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.